Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Hi, another journey. And this time we're going to get our start in real estate, which started in 2002 for our guest today, when he was infected, which led him to become a landlord. After 11 years of being an obby landlord, he discovered his passion for real estate investing by attending a real estate investor meeting. He then tapped into the untapped gold mine of mobile homes, which we'll see behind him in a minute if you're watching on YouTube, and has been following that path ever since. He is a member of three mastermind groups, including a high-level mastermind which he hosts. He is the best-selling author of how to buy mobile homes, and he travels the country teaching and sharing his secrets for success. We welcome Adrian Smooth, I believe. I is a smud, smud, smooth. No, you were perfect with smooth. <laughs> welcome, Adrian. Thank you for having me. I'm excited no, about today. Um, So, I touched upon you know, real estate in 2002 when he was evicted. Now, I think I've been evicted once and that was not by choice, but so I don't really understand it. But tell us your earliest memory of your journey. Well, I'll go back to those evictions. There was more than one. Uh, basically, my friends and I were terrible tenants, the people you don't want to rent to. Those eviction notices were for like, Spaghetti wrestling parties, mud wrestling parties, parking a motorcycle in the living room. I mean, you did not want us as tenants back then. But what I did is I solved the problem by buying a house. Didn't really know what I was doing. I knew someone was a mortgage broker. He said, why don't you buy a place? So I did move the same friends in that helped with the eviction. You know, I wasn't the motorcycle, but I might have been some of those parties. And I did a really key item. I split up my mortgage amongst my friends. So I lived for free in that house, which was awesome. I said, all right, let's do it again. I went and bought another house, only listening to the banks. And I was losing a little bit every month. And they said, it's fine. Real estate goes straight up. In a few years, you'll refinance. Well, in a few years, real estate was going down. And I had one of those adjustable rate mortgages, hmm. which meant I was losing from a little bit every month to a little bit more. I essentially gave the house up as a short sale, the ding to my ego, my credit, and really my integrity. Fast forward a few years, like you said, I end up at a RIA, a real estate investors association meeting. And that's where I found out about these mobile homes and completely switched my investing career now to buying single unit mobile homes with the land yeah and i um for the listeners who's listening in he's got a picture of a and i'm not saying this in a disrespect it's a mobile trailer cow fan which looks well i can put it decapitated And David, this one came with most of its sighting for the people that are only listening and not watching. I bought it just like this. I actually own this one still today. It's just amazing because, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I know people who've lived in cow vans. I've briefly lived in a cow. Well, I say cow because that's what I'm used to. But 
you know, I lived in that experience and I know people who lived in that experience and some people say, yeah, maybe, and I will be blunt. It may be shitty, but it's still a roof over your head. You are exactly right. I mean, what people don't understand is homes are a step up for someone. There's typically someone living in worse conditions. Now, we did work to this property before we let someone move in. But we have properties all over the board of quality and rent. If I fix up a property like this by putting granite and replacing everything brand new, I need to charge more in order to make money. And then the person that this is a step up for, they don't have somewhere to live. So we will make a property like this safe and livable, but maybe not pretty to help that person that doesn't care what it looks like. They want a safe, livable home at an affordable price that they can afford. Yeah. And then we have properties that we do, you know, we fix it up completely up and it's beautiful. We, we do both ends of the spectrum, but people just don't understand that everyone needs somewhere to live and they can't always afford the nicest thing. And the thing is, as a business owner, you've got to then think about breaking even and then you've got to make that slight profit, which can be difficult because obviously this time of age, you know, in England, the recession, you know, there's problems with money about not enough money coming in. So I can imagine it's that same situation wherever you go, like in America. You're exactly right. And, you know, that short sale that I talked about on my credit, it was more of an emotional thing that I don't want to repeat that again. So right now, you know, the environment you're talking about that we're in right now, I'm a little extra cautious. People usually laugh at me when I say I'm a really conservative investor when I own something like this, but it's because I'm conservative with the numbers. I don't want the chance to ever not be able to pay my bills. And I actually live off the earnings from my real estate. So I not only have to be able to pay my bills, I got to be able to eat. So when it comes to the numbers, I am very conservative because it's how I live and it's how I have an uh, amazing, amazing operations office manager. It's how I pay her. So I don't want to risk any of our lives by not running the numbers conservatively. Yeah, and that is a good business thinking mind for some people. And, you know, I regret some of the choices, like I said, in life because my credit, I admit, is not brilliant because I've made bad choices. But... I'm getting out for that. I'm seeking out for it. So I want to start looking forward to investing in the future. I'm 40 this year and I'm thinking it's about time I start getting myself out of the red to go back into the black to make it green again. Exactly. I mean, those harder times are sometimes what make us successful. If it wasn't for that short sale, I talk about it a lot because that's how I found mobile homes. That's how I become successful and conservative because that short sale happened to me. And the pain from that makes me not want to ever experience that again. And another piece to it, like you talked about your credit, you know, it, it definitely put a ding on my credit. And a quick story there is at that point, they said you couldn't buy a house within two years of a short sale. So two years is rolling around. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get back into this. 
I go and I find a house. I go to the mortgage broker. He said, you know what? Last week, they changed it to three years from a short sale. So uh, I couldn't buy anything. But it helped me find the the outside of the bank world, which is really where I live today. I don't finance anything by banks. I like paying friends, family, the sellers. I get an emotional value out of helping someone I know make some money on their money. And I just don't like dealing with banks because they change the rules too quick. I like human beings. Yeah. And you don't get that at all with any bank. There's no real <laughs> compassion. And I'm not saying I was this old when I knew it, but I remember reading loads of posts and blogs and always like one time you used to be able to go into the bank manager and just shake his hand and say, I want this. And he said, yes, gentleman's agreement or, you know, <laughs> partner's agreement. That was a good idea of going in and asking for credit. And nowadays you go in, yeah, computer, um, yeah, I want this, I want this. And I will make the joke here. There's a joke in England from a comedy sketch. It goes, computer says, no. It's like, no. And because the computer decided what you've got on your life, the computer dictates what you can have now and not have. And credit scores, that's based, you know, stored on a computer. And it's frustrating because you can't just go in, like I said, and talk to a bank manager now. You got to talk to the bank manager who types it in for him, and then they say no, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, man. I mean, obviously, I still deal with banks, but as much as I can deal with a human being, life is better, and it's a more personal relationship with a person. I feel, and yeah, that's, and that's totally what, agree, and that's why I like. I know this is virtual, and the computer, you know, we're recording virtually for audio and visual purpose, but it's a personal experience just. And I always like saying to guests, it's about making them feel comfortable, like you're in the same living room. So, yeah, totally agree. It, it doesn't beat being there with a person, but Zoom, it's it's second. You know, it's it's yeah. cheaper than flying over to you and and <laughs> exactly. visiting for exactly. A, you know, a quick podcast, which I would love to do that. Yeah, and you know, and I always say this, every journey is unique. And this is what I like about this, because I haven't covered this kind of topic before. I've covered people's journeys, but talking about trailers and caravans or whatever you want to call them, things you put on the back of a truck and tow with you, mobile homes, whatever, you know, it's a concept that I like people to understand that there is a palace in that little box or big box or whatever big that box is i mean you're definitely right so i'm in florida central florida if i didn't mention it before mm. and we have a uh, hurricanes and i grew up that you do not live in a trailer you don't invest in them you don't have anything to do with it because they're hurricane missiles you know they, they get thrown around and they get destroyed i never thought I would be investing in them and then even teaching on the topic. But I started getting educated. I learned about them. And one of my mentors, what he really said is he's like, you know, there's still 1965 still sitting around. Like, so what's your point? He's like, they've been through more hurricanes than you have. And they're <laughs> still sitting there. Okay. You know, he started getting the point across and, Yes, they're not as safe, 
but they still can live through a hurricane and they can still make a lot of money. A lot of people are scared of them. If we get educated, then we can make a lot of money and help the people that live in them, help the people that need to sell them because it's a classic supply and demand. There's a lot of them left and there's less demand to buy them because people don't understand them. Yeah. And that's what I want people to take on today is about understanding that they are good investments. Mm -hmm. So talking about today and how society treats trailers, if you want it, I will go American trailers. So I don't always say trailers, but I'm fans. <laughs> How do you think people's perception is? Do you think it's getting more rare? You know, well, here, let's first touch on the word trailer. Uh, I have a joke that, and it's it's serious, but it is, I'd say in a joking way, that when I buy, they're all trailers. I don't care what year it is or anything because, you know, it doesn't sound that good. You picture the one behind me. You don't picture something nice, so you picture cheap. But if I'm selling or renting, they're all modular homes. I don't care what year it is, what it looks like. So it's the the play on words because our words matter of what picture and price we put in it. But where do I think they're going? I mean, we're not making as many. And a lot of our areas and municipalities throughout all of the country don't necessarily like trailers or modular homes because they can't charge as much for taxes. You know, there's other reasons because there are some stigmas on them of trailer trash, which is not always true. But the municipalities wanting more tax dollars is one reason they don't like them mm. and they want to encourage building. So they aren't growing that fast because of that. But there's still a massive demand for affordable housing. And most mobile homes, trailers, modular homes are in the affordable housing space, which means we still have a growing demand. Most of our areas, we're not building more affordable housing. We've been building upper scale stuff because it's not that much more and people have been getting more rent. I'm concerned with affordable housing space because I've been watching it shrink. And, you know, I, I grew up in a middle class, but with a lot of blue collar. So I kind of relate to that handyman, the person that works for themselves or does stuff. And a lot of them are in the affordable housing space. The flip side to it is mobile homes still can be fixed and flipped for higher prices than a lot of people would think. I know you got listeners from all over the place, but we'll say our medium, I haven't looked these numbers up in a while, but household sell for the 200 maybe 250 range where i'm at and plant city lakeland all in between here and we have mobile homes that will sell for the same price hmm. now it's harder to find a traditional site built home at that price but mobile homes aren't as hard and what people don't realize is a lot of times the person that's buying that they're buying privacy of the acre of land it comes with the fenced yard even my residents that live in my properties they're yes they're renting a roof over their head but they're renting the privacy of the fenced yard they can bring their goats they can park their utility trailers and they have the shed to put the stuff in it's not just a three-bedroom two-bath home 
It's all of it together that they're really getting. And mobile homes are an affordable way to provide that as a fix and flip or as a long-term predictable rental. Yeah, and I do like that. I <coughs> excuse me, like that idea because it is that idea, and the concept. <coughs> excuse me, the concept is that it is defined as your own area now, and you do have not just the one square box. You've got the little bit with it, and I feel like that is because everyone dreams of having land. You know, it's your own land, your own little bubble, and I like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's exactly what we look for. You know, there's uh, for people that aren't familiar with mobile homes. Let me break that down a little bit further, actually, because a lot of people think of mobile home parks as a community of multiple mobile homes. It might be three, it might be three hundred, it might be eight hundred, it might be a thousand. They're usually pretty big. Those are not what I personally invest in. Um, because I want to own the home as a single unit. So those you just have a little sliver and you're renting the space that uh, the owner owns. I don't even like to buy the whole parks. I like the single unit. It could be in a neighborhood of all mobile homes. And it could be in a neighborhood that's a mix of mobile homes, wood frame homes, concrete block homes. But it's a privacy thing of the home and land. And someone gets that security of that is what I'm really after because that's personally what I like myself. Mm. And I like the idea of static because that is staying in one place. And concept is static is better than being mobile. Yeah, they still call it mobile homes, but you're not really mobile because you're not moving when you're static. So I You're exactly right. So. That's my opinion because I think yeah my when I was living briefly in the caravan well I wasn't living there I went there weekends because my mum had one briefly it was a static caravan now at the time when I was growing up in that era it was a concept of if you lived in a cap you know caravan in this example you'd be known as and I'm not being disrespectful when I say this you're known as a gypo which in English is a gypsy or a traveller. So you got associated as being one of, you know, a hyper-traveler or a gypsy. And, I, you know, the brand was there. No, I'm not saying I was intentionally branded out because no one knew that. But mm-hmm. I, as I grew older, I knew people who, you know, I didn't even know at the time what Gippo meant. So I kept saying the joke about Gippos go to this supermarket. And I was like, okay, okay. I keep saying it because it was me being fun. And then as I got older, <laughs> I realized what Gippo meant. So I thought, oh, did I say that? Shit. <laughs> but it's not about travelers. It's not about gypsies because mm-hmm. that is the misconception as well. People who live in these are normal human beings. Yep. Exactly. I mean, you date these back to, I think it's like the 1930s and 40s. Yes, they moved all the time like you're talking about. And it was a little bit more of that world. But they slowly became communities that people lived in and didn't move them. And today, yes, they technically could be moved, but it's expensive. It's a lot of permitting. And people just don't move them that often. They park them once and it stays there. It's not as common to have them moved 
just because of the price and the work behind it. So you're talking about a book that's coming out in March, I think you said, which we're going to go on to now. Talk about your book. So my physical copy of the book uh, came out a year ago in March. So in March, I'm going to be coming out with the audio version. And the book essentially is my story, more elaborated than we talked about today, and how I got into mobile homes, some examples of what I purchased. But throughout that whole story, I talk about how to buy mobile homes, the repairs and everything you need to know. And I didn't get fancy with a title. It's called How to Buy Mobile Homes. And uh, like you said, in March, though, I'm going to be doing my audio book. It's going to be coming out. So if any of your listeners are interested in being part of the launch team, you know, help buy it within that first week, which helps the algorithms and all that stuff within the Amazon world, uh, then I'm going to have some bonuses for people that are interested. That's good. And I think I know what I'm going to call the podcast, How to Buy Mobile Homes. If you don't mind me using the title of your book. Yeah, of course. Because I've started to notice every time I do a podcast now, I always call the podcast linked with the guest. So how to buy my bimes. That sounds good. So what is the perks you're saying? Because you said you would get perks for helping with the audio version of your book. Yeah, so I'm going to have bonuses. We're going to do a live Q&A questions uh, probably about a month to two months after it's released. So everyone has time to listen to it figure out what questions they have. We're going to do that. We're going to have a presentation, like a webinar over Zoom, diving deeper into marketing. So I became known because of my yellow, neon yellow shirt. Uh, This one is my education brand, the Lifestyle REI. But the buying brand was My Wife Buys Mobile Homes. I learned that I'm naturally pretty good at marketing myself. So we're going to do a... Uh, webinar zoom on that topic of how to market yourself for any type of industry. We're going to do another webinar diving deeper on one of the actual case studies within the book. going to spend some time just on that one. And all of that's going to be part of the bonuses. Uh, There's also a few other bonuses, uh, some discounts to some courses I have. Essentially I didn't do bonuses when I released the physical copy of the book and cause I just want to get it out there. And I, so I decided, all right, for the audio book, I'm going to go all out with these bonuses, make it a no brainer for people to get it and make up for the bonuses. I didn't do for the physical book. Hmm. And I assume you did the audio yourself for the voiceover for your audio book. Yep. Uh, that was a challenge, but <laughs> yes, I wanted to do it myself because it's, it's my book. No one's going to tell it with my story and passion as well as me. And I want it to be relatable. So either you like my voice or you don't by the end of it. <laughs> and if you don't, then I'm probably not the person for you. <laughs> yeah. So I assume people on who can um, find out about this launch, about your joke, can visit on your website. Yep. So if you go to my website, um, one of the easiest to find out where everything's going on is Adrian S. 360.com A-D-R-I-A-N-S the numbers 360.com shoot me a message and you gotta do it by the end of February beginning of March so if I have you on the launch team ahead of time and remind me 
that you came from David's podcast, The Journey, so that I will then add you to our launch team and we'll get you included. Thanks, Adrian. And um, lastly, what bit of inspiration would you say to people now wanting to invest in this situation similar to what you do? So my theme last year was massive, imperfect action and then ask for help. And that's still some of my advice to anyone that is trying to figure out what they're doing. Pick something. I'm obviously biased to mobile homes, but whatever you want to pick to invest in, to start a business, pick it and go all in. Don't wait for it to be perfect because it's never perfect. The caveat to that is you are planning to fail when you plan to you know not know at all. So now you need someone to ask for help to, hopefully a few multiple people so you can get different advices. So plan to fail forward, ask for help, and then continue going forward. And that is a lot of the key to my success. I like that. Adrian, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. You're welcome. I appreciate you having me. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.